Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Point, the Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, the Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, the Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public. On appointment-only basis, she offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the wisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. Good evening. How are you? Uh, well, I'm nicely rested up from a week off. Mm-hmm. Feeling grateful. I went out for a nice walk in the woods with the goats today, and I just felt 
so grateful for all the many, many people in my life. I felt grateful for all the surgical teams and for the nurses and the anesthesiologists and all the people who listen to the blog talk show who've sent me beautiful cards and remedies and their love and the people of my family and my close friends and wow the the web of humanness mm-hmm. sometimes it's easy to forget how very extraordinary it is to be a human mhm yeah that we are willing to take care of each other to such an extraordinary extent. Mm-hmm. So I was walking through the with the girts and, and just crying with joy and thankfulness and gratitude. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I was having a similar kind of thought today of just um, how, you know, much we're like plants and how, like, right now we're in this uh like kind of dormant state of growth seemingly so anyway but like under the ground there's still like this web of life that's being like nurtured in like this really deep like dark way and you know like how we're all kind of like separated but like so totally reliant on each other still in this uh kind of grand scheme of things and um just how much yeah we need that community and um that through this pandemic, I hope that we uh, come back more resilient now that we realize how much uh, we're so dependent on each other in that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. A little softer to the foibles of being human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, still pretty unpredictable where things are going to going here but you know we're yeah. the, we're riding the wave there's a goat in the herd who's the oldest goat and then she's also right now the only one giving milk so she has the status she's like the, the you know the hubba hubba of the goat <laughs> and um, the goat who was the end goat the tail goat just died Quite mysteriously, we still have no idea really what caused her death, and so it you know the rest of the goats are kind of fighting it out as to who's going to be the tail goat and um there's one who's really trying to like step up and take over and be the lead goat, and they're really you know knocking horns and butting at each other and today. <laughs> As after we got back from our walk and we were sit, sitting at the barn and the sun was shining on us. There had been really dark clouds and they had moved enough so that the sun, which was kind of low in the sky, was shining right on us and it was so warm and beautiful. But the dark clouds were right over us and it was kind of raining and hailing on us. And um, the goats uh, started, the, these two goats who had been fighting so much, started, like, grooming each other's necks Mm. and laying their heads on the other's shoulders. It was very, very lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Very Mm. uh, almost (laughs) human-like. How we can go back and forth and and then totally embrace each other, you know. 
Right. And our guest tonight, Kelly Grimes, is the founder of Cultivating Peace and Joy. And she's going to talk to us about self-nurturing and uh, a field guide to living with more peace, joy, and meaning. So that's at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Stick with us or come back and listen to what Kelly Grimes, MSW, has to say about self-nurturing and cultivating peace, joy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share with you, too, that um, I've been doing some of that uh, removing attachments in my my chakras and um, just how unexpected what you find in there is. And uh, I know that probably a lot of people had listened to that conversation that you and I had. And I know there's probably a lot of people now that I've been hearing how high like the divorce rate is and breakups and everything at this time, um, that it's increased quite a bit. And just if other people are doing that work, <laughs> that uh, just, wow, like the stuff that arises, like I just had no idea what was like uh, stuck in there and how it was attached to my my uh, ex-partner. And um, I think I was like kind of in a hurry, like in a way before I started doing that work and like putting a lot of pressure on myself uh, to get through it. <laughs> but now it's like I see it that's when I was thinking about the plants or what I said um, before is that I was just thinking like this, like whole like life cycle of taking the time to give ourselves what we need for our own growth, you know, and um, it's like a whole bunch of different things. And like, it takes time to like undo all of that attachment. And even though like, I feel like there's a good uh, boundary between him and I now there's, still like all of this like work that's like like after that boundary is created like what comes up through that is uh really interesting too so yeah there's it's a huge process but I really appreciate that um that those tools that you that you shared with me because it's I was like wow (laughs) I'm getting in there you know as our tai chi teacher says I'm quite an idiot myself, but I had some very good teachers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. <laughs> I, and um, I just wanted to share with the listeners as well that I my sale is, in my shop is going to continue until Friday. So if they um, if anybody wants to take a look at that, they can go to etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness and everything in my shop is 20% off until Friday. So take a look. There's some good stuff in there. And, yeah. Well, that reminds me. I said to Justine, everybody else in the entire world is having a sale. How come we're not having a sale? <laughs> so we are having a sale at wisewomanschool.com, and I, I think it's up until, like, December, what, 10th? December 10th, and it's 20% off? Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> so 20% off on ear stuff until December 6th or 7th, and... 20% off on all courses, including correspondence courses, at wisewomenschool.com. Yeah. Until December 10th. Good time to sign up. Good Not deal. a moment more. And 
sign other people up. You know, one of the things people really like best about the correspondence courses is not just that they get lots of stuff and they get talk time with me, but that there's no time pressure and no time limit. Mm-hmm. So you literally can fit it in. One of my uh, stories that I like the best is a letter that I got from a woman who was taking the Green Witch Correspondence Course, and she said, you know, Project <clears throat> 3 was to envision yourself five years in the future and ten years in the future, she said, and I saw myself as a midwife. She said, that was four years ago, and now I've graduated from midwifery school, and I'm ready for the next project. <laughs> <laughs> really really nurturing the individual. So I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We do have a few people waiting with questions. Are you ready to take some questions? I am. Okay, and I'll remind the callers to press 1 if you have a question for Susan. And the first caller is coming from the 818 area code. Okay, Justine just walked back into the room, and she said the sale has started, and you have to enter Holiday 20 as the code. Holiday 20. Holiday 20, and you're in. <laughs> Good evening, Susan. Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm calling. I Actually, I, I'm just, it's so nice to hear that you had a great Thanksgiving, and happy holidays. Uh, happy holidays, uh, yes. Yes, let's hope it stays happy. So I, I want to give you a little history first, and then I'll tell you the problem. So I... I go to work and we have to take a COVID test every week, once a week. And we have had a couple employees test positive and they, they give them pay for two weeks and send them home and then bring them back. It's wonderful. And they said that they, they are um, contagious for three days. I don't know if that means you're only positive for three days. It doesn't, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to research that a little bit more. And then I caught three weeks ago, this Horrible cold. I've never had a cold like this since I grew up in Alaska 40 years ago, where your nose is plugged to the point where for a week and a half, there's no nostrils. It's just maybe a drip through a solid core. And I thought, okay, I can get through this. And, And the funny thing is that I could diagnose and help somebody else, but I think, oh, I'm going to just power through this without anything. So I did nothing for two weeks but cough, and it felt like I had water in my ears from swimming my nose is plugged I've gotten better once I started the echinacea angustifolia three days ago a little bit better my question is for these horrible sinus headaches and it's daily and I'm just trying to power through this it's getting a little better every day but the coughing it's just coughing it's not a sore throat but I, I just got a rapid test with COVID yesterday and another test today. And it's not COVID. It might be COVID-20. I don't know. But I just never Not COVID-19. No, it's not 19. That's why I'm not testing positive at work is because I probably have 20. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, even by and, now, 21. Yeah, I might, I might have 21. <laughs> um. My my question is next time, 
before I decide to power through this stuff, besides echinacea and gustifolia, and I only started it a couple days, and it has been getting better, but I don't know if that's because I've been going through this for three weeks, going, I'm going to power through, or um, I think that echinacea is working, but what what would just clear those sinuses where you're not blowing Skittles out your nose? But that's the only analogy I can make because I don't eat Skittles, but I can't imagine our big giant mullion balls out your nose. What would clear out those sinuses? Well, my very first teacher's response would be to buy clothespins and put a clothespin on the end of each and every one of your toes. I think you told you said that before years ago, and I thought, oh, I don't get colds. <laughs> well, right, it's not about colds; it's about your sinuses, and your sinuses are right at the ends of your toes. And she says, it's if your sinuses are blocked up, then you put clothespins on the ends of your toes, and that transfers the clog. Mm-hmm. Um. If you have any mint family honeys on hand, like sage honey or thyme honey or rosemary honey or mint honey or shiso honey or lemon balm honey, a big tablespoon of one of those in a cup and then the cup filled up with boiling water and lean your head over it and let it Weft up around your face and into your nose. Okay, that's okay. Perfect. Right, even if you can't actually breathe it in, it'll just break up that clog. Yeah. And of course, the ultimate is horseradish. Oh. That makes sense because I was craving sushi and only the wasabi from mm-hmm. the. I, I just wanted the miso soup and the wasabi. Wasabi, right? Okay, that makes sense because the, the wasabi here in America is not actual real Japanese wasabi 90% of the time. It's actually made from horseradish with a little dye in it or something. Well, yeah, everything and, in Japan is dyed too. Um, but yeah, horseradish and mustard powder. Okay, great. Oh, because I just, next time... Well, you can just, you know, you can buy a jar of horseradish, usually in the deli department. Check it out. Some of them have preservatives, but some of them don't. And you can just eat it. Oh, yeah, I love it. That, okay, see, that's great. Because, um, sorry, crazy dogs, puppies. Um, Actually, is... horseradish might even still be in the stores. I think it is. Um, Trader Joe's seems to have yep, a yep, yep. It's the time of the year for it. Then that makes sense. So that would break up because I, I don't know why I spent two weeks not calling you and just going, oh, I'm going to get through this by tomorrow and every day. It just it just stayed the same for three weeks now. And the only reason I didn't think it was COVID is because they're testing me all the time. and The time, right. Also, you said it's for someone with COVID. Yeah. Oh, and here and here's the interesting thing. So I talked to the two. We had two COVID people on our crew um, that, and they came back. They came back to work, and they were fine. And one of them said that um, he 
just got a really bad sinus infection. His wife got a sore throat. His kids got sinus infections. They took pharmaceutical antibiotics and it wiped it out. I'm not doing that. No way. Um, So I decided to do nothing, not thinking, well, I really, I don't know why I can diagnose and help everybody else but myself. Um, And then the other guy said, what they told him is if you don't, and everybody needs to know this, if you don't have shortness of breath, that's scary because, and I didn't know this, you need to, it's $12 on Amazon, get a pulse oximeter, put it on your finger, and if you are under 95% oxygen rate, that starts shutting down your, your um, liver and your kidneys because the, what the COVID does, and this is interesting, I have to study this more, is it actually shuts down the sensor in your brain to tell you that you're low on oxygen. So if you actually have COVID and are tested positive, which is the guy that I just talked to yesterday, he said that that's really scary. If you don't feel like you're out of breath, it's because it shuts down the sensor in your brain that tells you that you are out of breath, that you can't get enough oxygen in. And then then that's when your, your organs start shutting down. Now that's, I think, pretty advanced. Uh, but he said that Fascinating. a lot of people, yeah, isn't that interesting? That's super interesting. So I went out and bought an oxygen sensor and I'm 99. And then, the, okay, and here's what I discovered, what you talk about all the time. People don't know how to breathe. So I was down to 98, which is not bad. Under 95 is really scary. And I, I just started doing my belly breathing again because, you know, you don't consciously think about it unless you consciously think about it sometimes. And it went right up to 100. And I went, okay, good. I'm not going to shut down my, my systems. Good I just thought that you. was really – Yeah, yeah. So, so, right. and it's, it's, yeah, it's only like $12 to get one or $30 if you go to Walgreens or something. And if you, if you have a cold, I would suggest anybody go and get that to make sure it's not COVID if you're not getting a test every week. Um, because that's when it gets scary is if you don't get the <gasps> – where you can't breathe, that's because it shuts off the sensor in your brain. And I don't know who told him that, but that sounds absolutely logical because I've been studying this for like six months now, how to not get it. And then mullion helps a lot. It really helps bring out the phlegm in in the lungs, the horrible green phlegm (laughs) of COVID-20, we'll call it. (laughs) Yes, it does. So all I've been doing for like two weeks is only – Mullion infusions, and then, you know, some linden to take down the inflammation. And um, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't take away that horrible, like, sinus headache. So you just told me what to do for that. That, that was my question. Was, that was the only thing I couldn't figure out. How do you get rid of this headache? With, and I even went to the point where I took Sudafed just to get rid of the headache and be able to sleep through the night. And that's not like me. That's, I haven't done that in 20 or 30 years, but sometimes... Woof. Uh, I don't, like you said, the pharmaceuticals are faster, and sometimes you got to sleep. That's not good for your liver. But I, I don't know any herb that can stop that. And it's weird. It's like, oh, you know, there's Skittles in your sinuses. <laughs> mm. I always appreciate your calls. You have so much to share. Thank you. Well, I miss calling you. 
and I love calling you, and I will continue to call you, and uh, I, and I and I love sharing with you, and everything you've helped me with has been fantastic, and I remember it, and I'm just so grateful to have you here on this planet, in this universe. I don't know what we would do without you, Susan. <laughs> Thank you. I really don't. Good night. Okay, greetings, blessings. Good night. Uh, the next caller is coming from the 212 area code. Hi, is that me? Hey, Lauren. Hey, Susan. I could just feel the woods around you with the goats and picture that, and it's wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that, what you're doing, what you're up to, and have you be there, <laughs> especially when I'm nervous about something. <laughs> yes, yes. I've got a thing going on that I really tried my best to be in denial about. Um, I had a, a, a root canal that fell out ages ago, and I needed to have the tooth removed. And it, I was scheduled for it, and then something else happened that was an emergency, and then we were in lockdown. So I was just kind of keeping everything clean and using yarrow and um, went to the dentist around the corner in July and didn't have an infection. Um, but I had started to get a headache kind of near the tooth, which isn't painful, isn't really swollen. Please tell me it's not what I think it is. <laughs> I need it out, and I don't want to go extremely because it's, um, it's a long travel. Uh, I don't have a car. It's not a bus, so it's not going to be crowded. It's going to be a train, which is kind of like the 70s now. It's not a lot of people, but violent again i'm really nervous about going through um just areas due to covid i really trust the dentist and the pain will be there for a bit um and i was thinking if it is um uh, he was saying pain medication antibiotic and so i thought "Mm, maybe not um i was going to start uh echinacea um, antibiotic strength would be three or four times a day. And should I start it now? Should I? The, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I can't really tell. I'm not sure. I keep trying to convince myself. No, it's not. It's like a time bomb. I need to do it. I'm nervous about the COVID travel. Of course. Of course. We all are. Yeah. Yeah. We've become quite nervous about each other and not without cause mm-hmm. and I have a belief in the Tao in the way in the Slow in a charmed life, mm. and that when you are allowing yourself to be in the way, you are aided. Mm. 
Which is not to say that we don't sometimes have to deal with adversity and persist, nonetheless. But it's a different thing that I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. Which is that there there is a clear path for you to get from where you are to the dentist and home again. Mm. So I I hear your telling yourself that you need to have this tooth removed mm. and you need to have it removed before it becomes an emergency. Yes. Yeah. And that you are telling yourself, "Oh, well I would have except for COVID, I would have done it already." But it's okay that that's probably not true. Mm-hmm. So there's a point at which we can let up on the COVID and let it not be an excuse. Yeah. I felt safer once I scheduled it. Good. And I'm glad that you're taking it, Genesia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should I do four times or three times? I would say just leading up to it, you know, let it depend somewhat on how much pain you're in mm-hmm. and take enough to keep yourself pain-free. Well, that seems a pretty good gauge of what's going on. Well, will, will the echinacea uh, interfere with pain? Oh, well, it interferes with pain because it kill, kills, helps the immune system kill bacteria. Okay. Oh. When that okay. happens, there's less inflammation, and so there's less pain. Right, 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 right. Okay, makes sense. Good. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, of course, the doctor said that, the, or the, the dentist office said that they would prescribe for me after. <laughs> It's important to go in as healthy as you can, right? It's that's why there's a gap, right? Right. The foundational medicines, the ones that we think this is what we do every day to keep healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't exist to them as medicines. Yes. Medicine starts maybe with alternative medicine, certainly with pharmaceutical medicine, without a doubt. You mm-hmm. know, with deep yeah. medicine, with surgery, which is what they're going to do. Right, exactly, exactly. So you do the surgery and then you treat the consequences of it. Mm. Because giving drugs to people beforehand isn't necessarily going to help. But helping. So some people are encouraged to take antibiotic drugs beforehand if they have a replacement body part. Right, right. But we're talking about helping bring the inflammation down and Right. Yeah. 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 
So I've been using a lot of yarrow. As, well, I use it as a dentifrice anyway, and I'll bring it. Oh, hurrah for yarrow. Bring it with me to, you know, put a little gauze and pack it in there on my mm-hmm. enormously long subway trip home. <laughs> yes. Glad to hear from you. I, I kind of knew what I needed to do, but it is so good to hear you talk about this and mm. be with and be with me. And I, I you, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I am. I am with you, and you will feel me with you when you are there. Thank you. Yes, mm-hmm. I love you, Lauren. I love you, Susan. It's a whole circle, isn't it? The way we are all with each other. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Bless Blessings to you. Good night. I love you. Bye. All right. The next caller is coming from the 845 area code. And if you have a question, make sure to raise your hand by pressing 1. Hello? Hi. Hello. Yes, that um this is Mary Beth. Um is anybody hearing me? Yes, we can hear you, Mary Beth. Oh, great. Wonderful. I wasn't sure. <laughs> um green blessings and grateful blessings to everybody. Um I was uh lucky enough to attend a workshop in October to meet with you. Um it was the send off cold weekend workshop I was able to attend one day and I was ever since I left there I have been just completely turned around and going in and becoming so much more in tune with getting back to the earth and herbs and this time that we have um, I have been definitely absorbing it and uh, really taking advantage of this time that we have to really kind of get organized. Um, so I was grateful for that weekend. And Justine, you had taken lots of videos, and I wasn't really sure where to find those. Um, that sometimes you do on YouTube, but not. So I'm not sure where to find those because there was so much information that weekend, and I didn't want to distract myself by taking notes. But Susan, right. I have. Yeah. So I have. Just a couple quick questions to keep this short so that other people can get on. Okay. Well, what what I can tell you is that Justine does post some of those to YouTube, but she also posts some of them at the mentor site, and oh, that she okay. uses some of them to actually make courses. Oh, okay. And she uses um, some of them in the course called... Um, easy herbal medicine. Okay, I saw that one. Okay, right, and that's you know, it's just a variety of different videos that you get every yes, week. Justine and I, you know, spend time whenever we can getting okay. videos for that particular course, so that there's always new and interesting information in it. I have been kind of. Um, feeling out all the sites and forms and workshops, so I haven't quite gotten too deep into them just yet, but I have been <laughs> noticing A lot of that. offerings. 
Oh, my gosh, beautiful offerings, and I am so grateful for you for that and look forward to the next season of attending more workshops. I'm only less than an hour from you, so that's wonderful. So for tonight, and, and there will be could... even more workshops next year. I just finished um, my 2021 schedule, oh, and awesome. I'm not traveling next year, which, well, I didn't really travel this year. But right, I had intended right. to. Yes. Yeah. And so Lots. now I'm taking a year I'm not traveling because I intend not to travel. And it's very different. Right. Yes. And I think that a lot is going to be very Because there's more moon lodges and there's more classes. And um, I'm really looking forward to that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, as I am. Um, okay. So just a couple quick questions. I'm yes, curious... So I had started my tinctures, Elder, Echinacea, and Chisandra. So I've been doing those, and they're just coming ready now. And I've been doing my infusions and really loving having those um, daily. But my question about the tinctures is now that they're coming ready after the six weeks, how do I know to use the dosage? I've been looking at the two books that I have purchased, and I can't find where either elder for maintenance. Um, Echinacea, I can understand with your talk with um, Lauren just now that you kind of, I'm not sure how to do the dosage part of it. If you could give me a little just a taste of what to do with the elder or Chisandra and Echinacea, if you could. A dropper full of tincture is not actually a dropper full. It's actually half a dropper full, right? If you squeeze the rubber bulb, and then yes. you take the glass pipette out. That is called a dropper full, but if you actually look at it, it's only half full. That's somewhat confusing to people. So we'd like to start by establishing that a dropper full is really half a dropper full. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I do remember that, yes. Okay. So Elder and Shisandra are usually taken by the dropper full. Okay, so is that ACX one per day? Be taken by the dropper full too. And here we have to know that a dropper full is approximately 25 drops. It's going to vary a little bit depending on the actual size of the hole in the little glass pipette. Okay. But 25 drops per dropper full is a good enough average to go with. And so a drop of echinacea is used for every two pounds of body weight or a dropper full for every 50 pounds you weigh and round up to the next highest. So if you weigh 140 pounds, you'd use three dropper fulls as a dose. For the, any for one a, of those? Of echinacea. Of the echinacea. If, you, if you're using it, as a way to prevent infection, it could be taken anywhere from one to three times a day. If you're using it to deal with active infection, it can be taken anywhere from once an hour to once every three hours. Oh, excellent. Okay. That's good to know. My husband's going in for hand surgery tomorrow, um, Dupiger's contraction to open up his fingers. So I would like to have that echinacea in him as he 
goes through the healing process. So the elder and the Chisandra are proper full. How are, are more like foods. Okay. So they're taken by the tropical as tonics, and they can be taken on a daily basis. So for like maintenance, yeah, kind of, that would be like one one time a day. Yeah. Okay, that is wonderful. I've been kind of like just wondering, so I couldn't find where to get that information. So that and with dried plant material like Chisandra and elder and Echinacea augustifolia. Yes. Even though I will start using it within six weeks, I like to let it sit as long as possible, and I find that it gets stronger and stronger. I do remember reading that as well as you speaking that. Do you, the longer you sit, so the berries sit in it until just it's gone. The berries basically. sit in there. Don't worry about decanting it. Just take out what you need. You know, if you need a, a bottle or two, take that out. That's fine. Okay. And as I start to use it, that's my trigger for saying, do I need to put up another jar of this? Well, you had mentioned, too, that once one jar is ready at six weeks to start your next jar and just keep going. Just keep going, right? And I only just started, so here, you know, I did two jars the first time, so I'm letting that one sit, and I'm going to start the other one. So I'm going to start building up um, all of that. Just, uh, it's, it, I feel amazing. You feel so wealthy when you open your remedies cupboard, and there's so much awaiting you. Oh, oh it's, I feel so excited that the six weeks got here. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh, I, you know, so wonderful. Um, and the infusions of the, especially the five herbs, um, you had said in one of your videos that I did mention that you have, it's like you take, there was linden, oat straw, red clover, and nettle, and I'm missing comfrey. one in my head. Comfrey, yes, so I have those. So Monday I would do linden. So it's okay to like every day do a different one and then kind of keep that cycle going or how do you suggest that would work because I love having that different one every day good so my last question is about the vinegar you had mentioned something that day during the um, the workshop that to make my own vinegars all I can find is I have you know um Bragg's apple cider vinegar or just the regular apple cider vinegar. How do I how do I get that to use as vinegar? You said to boil it or do something with it? I can't remember exactly what yes, you said. Yes, that is what I do. I pasteurize it. So boiling Because I it. don't want vinegar that has any molds or bacterias or mothers. Right. or I, I don't want raw vinegar. That's what I remember. So you boil the... Store-bought apple cider vinegar just for about a minute, and then that's right. when I, I can then make my own vinegars. Boil it for a minute, turn okay. the fire off, let it cool, and then pour it back in the container. Oh, I kind of just wasn't sure about that. Uh, and now I did remember right. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So I, I'm going to dive deeper into the sites and, and courses as I can um, afford that. I'm not even traveling much myself. Kripalo is having all online this coming season, so I will not be able to attend the workshop. So there's work in itself to try to get myself through the teaching that I do up there. 
So I'm looking forward to in-person with you in workshops uh, with the coming year. Uh, so I guess that will be up on your sites as when it's ready. Um, and yes, that will that will be probably within the next week to ten days. Okay. Once we look over it, make sure I haven't made any errors. <laughs> Everything <laughs> changes. You know how things to right. jump around. Yes. yes. And, so. Um, uh, yeah, so and uh, also I'm going to be offering because I will be teaching more classes. Uh, I'm going to be offering um, some specials on those as well. Okay. So with my husband's hand surgery that he's going to be going to do tomorrow, um, I have actually started him on Horthorn infusion because he does take blood pressure medicine. And he likes that. It's better than the mullen, but I kind of he does <laughs> drink that. Uh, give a little honey in it to get it through, but he loves the Horthorn uh, infusion yes, when I make it. Yes, it is wonderful with honey. Oh, absolutely. So the post-surgery with the echinacea um, tincture that I will have ready, so that doesn't interfere with any antibiotics that he probably will be taking then. It actually aids them. That's what I remember. Okay, yes. That won't be ready just yet, but as soon as it's ready, I'll have him start on that. But, um, well, thank you, and I I wish you um, safe and grateful blessings for the end of the year this holiday season um, and I'm grateful for this Tuesday night I was a, such a great time to be able to call in and speak with you again so you have a beautiful end of the year and uh, I look forward to the next one uh, and getting myself over there I look forward to spending time with you again too green okay. blessings Good yes, night. my name is Mary Beth again so thank you Mary bye Beth. bye yes. okay. bye night everybody bye bye green blessings all right. The next caller is coming from the 215 area code. Hi, Susan. Um, I just wondered if you could expand a little on the conversation about the apple cider vinegar. The last caller uh, just kind of perked up my ears, and it's information I haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. When I usually talk about apple cider vinegar, I suggest that people go to the supermarket and pick up a bottle of apple juice and look at the nutrition label. And you will see that there's basically no nutrition in apple juice. There's sugar in it, so there's carbohydrate. And sometimes they add vitamin C, sometimes vitamin C, but there's no other vitamins to speak of. And there's really no minerals to speak of. There's certainly no protein and no fat. So it's mostly just sugar. That's okay, uh, but you can't add to something that doesn't have it to begin with. So actually what happens is that sugar gets acted on by natural yeast, and um, that turns it first into hard cider and then eventually into vinegar. And that vinegar will have a variety of natural yeast bacteria um, living in it, and those things, when combined with plants, will make very strange science fair projects. Hmm. Falling into one of two categories. Either they will become black and watery, in which there's no smell of either the vinegar or the plant left, but it's just like black water, very odd. Or they will smell like a diaper pail that's been left unattended for a year. 
Mm-hmm. And you have to not just throw the whole thing away, the bottle too, because it's the smell gets in the glass and the lid. So if Somebody you use gave apple me a beautiful, vinegar for, beautiful for any um, vinegar of a wild mushroom that she had found. And it mm-hmm. was great for the first couple of months, but by the time it got to be three months old, it had completely spoiled because there were funguses, it, you know, yeast is a fungus, in the vinegar that she used. She hadn't pasteurized it. Okay. So if you use it for any reason, you would want to boil it first for a minute. What I do is I buy a gallon of apple cider vinegar at the store. Mm-hmm. And I put that into a non-metal pan. It can be a, a ceramic-lined pan. Mm-hmm. And I bring it to a boil, and then I turn the fire off and let it cool. And when it's completely cool, back to room temperature, I pour it back in the jug I bought it in. And I labeled that okay. jug. I put a big X on it so I know that I've taken care of it. Okay. And then that's stable, and I have it to use for any vinegar that I want to make. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and, and when it's when it's you know seventy five percent gone, I buy another jug and do the same thing. Okay. But, but I do that because there's often quite a few people that are going to use the vinegar. Apprentices are going to use the vinegar. We're going to make a lot of something, so I like to be not just caught up, but a little bit ahead. Okay, got that. And on a separate topic. Um, what do you think about the coronavirus vaccines? Are they safe to get? I mean, I just don't know what to think about them. I understand. The vaccines that are being approved and may be in use by the end of this month, December, have been tested on hundreds of thousands of people. We can't ever tell if anything is completely safe, but we know that COVID kills people. So one of the things we are always doing in medicine is asking ourselves, what is the risk-reward ratio? If you're a nurse working in the hospital, taking care of COVID patients, probably the risk-to-reward ratio of being vaccinated is very less risk and very large reward. If you're a person who's always stayed home alone and not much has changed given COVID, except that occasionally you would like to go out to a movie or do something like that and you're prevented from doing that, the risk might seem greater than the reward. Uh So it's not like it's inherently risky. It is certainly inherently rewarding. Yeah, I know you've talked about vaccines before. And I just wasn't sure what to think about this one, but that's a great question. Yes, that whenever we're making use of 
you know, modern medicine, there is the risk and reward ratio. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. You are welcome. I think that at this point what we're talking about doing is that the first doses of vaccine will go to healthcare workers and emergency um, responders, um, and that uh, then doses will go to people who are, um, my word, captives, people who are in um, nursing homes, people who are in prisons, people who are in places that have been very shut down by this. And then um, to uh, people starting an age order. Yeah, I work older people getting preference over younger people. Yeah, it seems like a reasonable way to distribute it to me. Yeah, I'm not um, a a frontline healthcare worker, but I work in a healthcare system. So, okay. Good question. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 919 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. I hope you all are doing well. I'm just tuning in, so I hope I'm not... um, repeating any questions but <laughs> okay um so my one my main question is i grew a lot of turmeric this year um just because a friend gave me a lot of little um rhizomes in the spring and i was like okay well i'll give it a try and i was just curious you know uh your thoughts on it and how you might preserve it i I made a lot of um, uh, turmeric vinegar because that was, you know, that was like the easiest um, thing for me to do. But I still have a lot left. I made like a like a half gallon of like grated turmeric vinegar. Um, but I, I see your thought, Christmas gifts arrayed in front of you, which you're going to give to everyone. <laughs> I would make turmeric honey. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I was thinking about that too. Turmeric honey is really wonderful. And I'm sure there are those out there who are going, make turmeric oil, make turmeric oil. Okay, I didn't even think about Remember to die, and, you know, the oil is going to stain, but I know it's a real staple in Ayurvedic medicine. Okay. And and what is it? And so you might want to check out, you know, what oil they use. Do they use sesame oil? What kind of oil? I'm sure they have a preference. Okay. And it's not olive oil. Uh, okay. Yeah. I wonder if like coconut oil would be good or coconut oil is always. And what do you... Yeah. <laughs> I can just see that being a like nice combination. Right, huh? Mm, guess... Yummy. Yeah, I guess I uh, yeah, would you like so are you thinking oil to like apply topically or are you thinking for cooking? Both. Okay. Because it's to be so easy to cook with, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a great idea. But um, I think I yeah, think that okay. it's also used to counter joint pain. Okay, 
That's what I was curious about. Awesome. That's great. Um, one other I can question. smell the turmeric in my mind's eye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it has such a special smell when it's fresh. It does. It's like nothing else I've ever... Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. interesting. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it grows really well. I didn't even do it in a... I was surprised that I got as much as I did without actually doing it in a, a greenhouse or a hoop house. I just did it out in the field. And in North Carolina, we have it a little bit longer, but basically from like May until, you know, end of October when we got our first frost, like real frost, it, you know, it grew. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I might try it again next year. It's just pretty fun to grow. And if I could sell it, then I could probably get a, a decent amount of money too. So. <laughs> um, well, once you've had fresh turmeric, you don't want to go back to the dried stuff. Yeah, I yeah I don't, I don't it doesn't have yeah at all the same flavor. Um, I tried I tried actually freezing like whole little um, rhizomes of that and ginger, and I just couldn't like it just it didn't work. I could add it like whole to soups and stuff just to flavor it, but it didn't texturally like work too well, and I was. I wasn't like too happy with it, so I figured it would be yeah, better. Yeah, the cell to get walls it. break; it becomes very strangely mushy. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled by that, but it was nice to have that, you know, a little bit of flavor here and there. Exactly. Um, yeah, you could do it. You know, like freeze it in an ice cube tray. Yeah, there you go. And then um, use that in drinks. That would be pretty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that'd be really nice. Um, one kind of in the same vein. One other question I had was, I you know I was I was ordering all my nourishing herbal infusion herbs, um, and you know as you know there were lots of things in short supply in the last few months, and it made me really curious about just other general anti-inflammatory herbs and plants that you like if you can't get linden, you know, the queen of of all. Um, anti-inflammatories like is there anything else you would use in that way as like a like a nourishing kind of anti-inflammatory either food or um herb that you you use like food (laughs) violet leaf okay marshmallow root so you find marshmallow root anti-inflammatory that's great deeply anti-inflammatory Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I grew a lot of that, so I'm excited to try to dry it. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Awesome. So that's really nice. Because, yeah, linden don't really grow here either. So it was like I was curious, yeah, about what's a more local herb that I could, like, supplement with that would be anti-inflammatory. And where did you say you are again? In the like Piedmont of North Carolina. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's a really, little, I mean, out, I just a little looked. south of Linden's happiest range. Yeah, there's supposed but, to be but, like you a know, it's also called backwood. Yeah. So I yeah, I have a botanist friend and I was like, You have to help me find a basswood and I've he said, you know, look on northern slopes and see, you know, 
And I, I really have, I haven't found one. I'm sure they, they're around. And he said they right. are, but it's rare. But, but as we said, it's the, it's the far south of the range. They'd like to be a little colder. Yeah, yeah. I planted one linden here on the property, and it's like three, three feet tall now, and I'm so proud of it. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you can do it. Three or four feet tall, that's great, that's great. Then it'll get, yeah. then it'll double, and then it'll double again, and soon you'll go, oh, my gosh, it's a tree. Yes, I'm really excited. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that. I'm definitely going to up my my marshmallow intake and um, dry some root next year. So thank you. You're welcome. Good blessings. Good night. Good night. Thank you. We don't have anybody else with their hand raised at this moment, but if you have a question, please press 1 to ask Susan. And I could go to an email. Oh, here we go. I think somebody just queued up. Yes. Okay. Coming from the 225 area code. Hello. Hello. My name is um, Eric. I'm uh, 18 from Baton Rouge, obviously. Uh, yo, I had a quick question. Go ahead. You look? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah. So, my question is, like, uh, so you talk, I hear that you talk about a lot about medicine here. This is my first time here, so decided to call. Um, like, so, what do you think is, like, a better form of medication, like, medicine in general? Do you think, like, herbal medicine is better, or do you think, uh, like, burning? Mm-hmm. Have we been disconnected? Hello? Oh, yes, his his call did drop. Oh, I'm not sure. If well, anybody else can, has a question, please press one or. And I can okay, give yeah. a short and a long answer to that question. And of course, the short answer is there are seven medicines serenity medicine, story medicine, mind medicine, lifestyle medicine, then a gap, then alternative medicine, which includes herbal medicine, pharmaceutical medicine, and deep medicine. And those seven medicines are in order of. Safety, serenity medicine being the safest, and deep medicine being the most dangerous. In fact, that's why there's a gap. So the first four are foundational medicines, serenity and story and mind and lifestyle. Establish abundant wellness for us. And if we need to cross the Great Divide, and use alternative medicine or pharmaceutical medicine or deep medicine, we are prepared to make the best possible use of those medicines because we have our foundation in place. And if we don't have our foundation in place, then we are traumatically or for some reason need to use those last three medicines, then we can always add on the first four, the first foundational medicines, at which point they then become called complementary medicines or 
integrative medicine. Of course, I'd like to see integrative medicine rather than integrative medicine because integrative often means one thing follows another, and integrated means that they're done at the same time. So that's the short answer. You can imagine how it long the long answer like is. Somebody... Like the long answer is a book called Abundantly Well. It looks like somebody did queue up. I wonder if this is him calling back in from us. From the 201 area code? Hello? Hi. What's your question Hi, tonight? Susan. Uh, well, I had actually an art question I was hoping you could help me with. I want to take um, flowers that I've dried, and my brain goes, I want to encapsulate them in glass, but if I did this in glass, they would burn right up. So I was wondering if there was some... Um, tree resin or something that I might uh, take and encapsulate them in to like seal them in and then let them dry so I could see into them, but they wouldn't deteriorate so easily. I believe what is used is plastic resin. Mm. Go to an art store or a craft store and tell them that. What you I am... And I think, I, I've had this suggested to me, and the the fumes are rather just like um, uh, it, n- n- very difficult for me. Um, so it was my friends can, weren't well. I completely it, understand. Right. So my 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 art friends are telling me to go talk to you, and this kind of um, mm, hmm? t- t- she well, might know me, something tell me more. What you want to do with these flowers? Uh, well, I want to layer them. I want to put like one layer of flowers and then put seal them and put another layer of the flowers and seal them. So it creates like a three-dimensional aspect, which, yes, I could use this plastic like right. you're talking well, what about. What about shellac? Also not a good mm. smell. No, but maybe a bit different one. It might not uh, set off my uh, migraines quite as easily, yeah. Yeah. Mm. The shellac, I okay. think, is used. Um, there's also a decoupage glue mm. and even something as simple as Elmer's glue, which dries clear, right? Yeah, yeah. These all sound like uh, possibilities. The um, the Elmer's glue might be a little water sensitive, but I'm certain I can look in these families. I was just hoping that there was something uh, quite natural to work with, but I don't think there's a magical answer here. <laughs> well, I one or two years kept a cookie tin full of silicate gel, mm. loose, not in little packages, and mm. I would take special flowers and put it in that coffee tin with the silica gel. And they would dry, but retain their color. And many of them I used to make collages. I'm actually right now looking at a collage that someone else made for me. It's in a beautiful round frame. And the flowers are kind of dried now, but golly gee, it's about 35 years old uh, so it's okay that some of them are brown and there's Queen Anne's lace and pansies and roses and just all kinds of beautiful flowers that again she dried in silica gel and then pressed 
and it's on a, mm. a mounting board uh, with a, a tight glass cover and a wooden frame. This is probably very similar to what I was wanting to do, but the ones that I wanted to do, um, I wanted to try to get like a three-dimensional effect, like if we were building, say, uh, a mountain or uh, a tower, one on top of the other, um, kind of how they do in the uh, uh, encyclopedias to do the layers of the anatomy. Uh, and, uh, so I, we have the same idea. They're very gorgeous artwork working with these pressed flowers, aren't they? Really, truly amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I've heard about these these drying in uh, my friends were suggesting uh, not silicate the gel packs, but a, a similar substance. And then you have the three dimensional, which that is, is exactly why I was. I'm saying it's not the packs. It's a, it's actually just silica gel. It's like sand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This this is perhaps the same thing that they were suggesting then. Um, and then you have the flowers that are three dimensional. And I go, it would be great if I could like um, put them in a in a glass bottle, in like a solid glass bottle. So this is not necessarily working flat two dimensional. This is working uh, three dimensional, which is why uh, I, I I was. Um, thinking about it this way. I'm thinking of uh, people who will take squash plants and yeah. put a bottle over the developing fruit, whether it be a cucumber or a pumpkin or a squash, and the squash or whatever it is, of course, will grow um, into the bottle. I've encountered this with Pears and alcohol bottles. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, and then we could put the sand in the bottle and then take the sand out and leave the thing in the bottle. Oh, you're a fascinating woman. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely uh, moving in the right direction. This, this is where I started working with layers of glass. Will be a delight to all. Thank you. I'll um I'll keep exploring. Wonderful. Green blessings. Thanks for your call. Green blessings. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. And well, it doesn't look like we have anybody else with their hand raised at the moment. I could bring up something that I've been thinking about if you. Uh, want to take one of my questions <laughs> sure okay um i have had like <clears throat> my whole like growing up i had these repetitive dreams of like snakes and temples and um i used to be really kind of afraid of snakes and when i apprenticed with you you gave me this uh stone snake um that i still have that's on my altar and um, snakes have just been coming through, I mean, throughout my whole life, like, weaving their way through. And I, uh, this past year, got to visit Serpent Mound in Ohio, and um, I went and I did some sound healing there and had some visionary experience. And um, the serpent's just been in my, on my path, and I I feel like it's something like so ancient and um I feel like there's like part of me that is like a serpent, you know, like that's so 
that has that that has that in me and i i am just curious to hear um your thoughts and how you maybe hear that and how you process the the serpent and um the power of the serpent and throughout your life and what the meaning of like the serpent was when you gave me that stone and do you give that to your most apprentices or The serpent, of course, the snake, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. is highly symbolic. Um, And that symbology changes from place to place and century to century. I actually had a woman tell me that she had to return her book on menopause because the leader of her church that it was the work of a devil because there was a drawing of a snake in it. Hmm. So the symbolism there in that situation was that the snake tempted Eve and the snake brought evil into the world. Merlin Stone in her book When God Was a Woman helps us understand that these were necessary myths to damage the goddess. That you can't just get people to believe that they don't have mothers, because everybody has a mother. And you can't just get people to not know that their mother... um, critical to their survival because it's absolute truth. But what you can do is you can start to uh, cast dispersion on that and to use symbolism. So the snake now becomes Medusa's hair which turns men to stone. And yet in places where the deep loving reverence for woman, for mother exists, snake is always part of the symbology. And even when it has to go underground, the snake is still there. Marie Summerwood, my dear friend, who was taken by cancer, was upset that she was called Marie because her mother couldn't get pregnant and her mother prayed to the Blessed Virgin Mary and said, oh, please, please allow me to get pregnant and I will name the child after you, you know, Mario or Maria. And thus, Marie. And so she didn't like that. But when I assigned her as an apprentice to a goddess archetype, she began to realize that perhaps Mary was her archetype, since it was her name, indeed. She began to go around and look at statues of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And she saw that peeking out from under her robe was a snake. And thus, the name of 
Marie Summerwood's first album, She Walks with Snakes. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. She walks with snakes, she stands on the moon. A Mary, 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 Mary stands on the moon. So what is this snake? The snake is often Kundalini. Kundalini Shakti. The life force energy. The generative power, the ability to create life. Just as the snake seems to create and recreate itself over and over by shedding, shedding its skin. The miraculous thing defied the skin of a snake. And snakes, of course, are also poisonous and thus can provoke a fear response in us and perhaps rightly so. So there objects of fear. They're objects of devotion. They're objects of healing, woman power, the generative force of life. I hope that's Monica Jean and not a possum in my house. Okay. <laughs> if you could hear all that sound. Like, whoa, okay, what is that? <laughs> you have a child present. <laughs> Last year there was a possum in the house. so We're keeping our ears open for this winter, too. Hoping it doesn't come in. It really spooked the cat. Like, there is a large animal in this house. Not that possums are that big. They're actually smaller than cats. But So you have to kind of reclaim for yourself what is snake to you. And it may be some of all of those things. Yeah, I think, I think I mean, for sure it is. I, I definitely feel like it's a awakening presence of um I feel like it's 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 leading me somewhere and possibly that it's uh something that's happening to humanity right now as well as this awakening like uh it's almost like a I want to say like an ambrosial kind of thing that started happening at first is where I would like see like it kind of like imprinted like this, the the serpent, which has happened to me throughout my life. Like I'll see it, like when it's not even there, you know, and like this patterning throughout everything. And then, um, but more recently, like after I went to Serpent Mound, um, like when I saw there, I was, I was like part of um, the ancient. Like I could see like the ancient people underground that were like almost like made of like clay. They were like so part of the earth, like these giant kind of people. That um, this woman came to me with this light, and she handed it to me, and we turned into like we shape shifted into serpents, and then um, 
it was like a figure eight that she was making with me um, that was like this like kind of like endless passage of of time that we're in and there's something like way older and more ancient that's coming through right now that we're being distracted from and it showed me like this construct of our world and how it's like compared to like what's going on down in the like in the earth with like these like the ancient consciousness in the earth that this is like nothing you know like this is this construct that's above is like it's and it can be um, destroyed like so easily you know it's like almost like a like play figurines or something is what it was showing me and um, I, but yeah just like that that, that serpent that serpent and like the vibration that it holds that it's so um, present beneath the, the surface and um, there is like this awakening like vibration that I've been like feeling for quite a while and like it keeps me up at night like I can feel that vibration it's like this uh yeah it's like this awakening the the awakening kundalini as you say um that's happening throughout the the world right now so I feel I just feel very connected to the serpent right now and um I see it coming up more and more in other people's consciousness and so yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to to reflect on that, and, and um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners can resonate with the the power of the serpent as well. Thank you for sharing mm, those yeah. those amazing images. Yeah, yeah, there's more. I mean, <laughs> it's it's so present and it's been so present throughout my life. So I'm uh I'm happy to share and yeah. Yeah, and to keep keep cultivating that um just being in in connection with the with the snake and the serpent and just the memory of something like so much older that you can't really tap into unless you go into like these like for me it's like sound meditation or you know using maybe like a entheogen kind of thing like where you're going in so deep it's like because like I mean I can find images on the internet and stuff that connect me to that but it's like but the only way that you can truly remember is going into these spaces where you are going you know like uh, removing like the the veil you know of where we're at right now and um yeah i just find i'm find that so much of what's happening right now in the world is uh so it seems so fake you know and like just like that coming back into something that's possibly like been erased from our memory that we can like tap into you know um, seems really valuable. I'm not sure if something that's been erased can be tapped into, but perhaps we've been made less aware of it and we can become more aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's somewhat the result of um, all of our ancestors' desire for us to live more easily. Mm-hmm. I found myself um, saying for the first time this year to an apprentice, in an Aboriginal tribe, you would long since be dead. 
She was so unaware of her surroundings. Any prey animal would have taken her off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, doesn't really matter because there aren't any prey animals. Well, the, that brings to uh, to something that I had read recently about these white lions from Africa, and um, that they they're being there's still some of them are still alive, but the only ones that were remaining, um, I think this was in the eighties were the ones that Sigmund and Freud had. And this woman, uh, Linda trucker, she went to visit them because they were the only ones remaining. And she was like working with the shaman and she was there like watching them being like well fed and cared for in this way, but they had been completely removed from their native environment. And, she had observed lions in the wild before, and she was like, she was like, you know, like how they have to struggle for their lives, and like they don't, you know, like and how when they're cared for by these, <laughs> and they're put up on display, it's like in such a foreign environment, they're almost treated like royalty, though, you know, and yeah, it's like in the wild, they they have to struggle, so it's like this. Like what? What is better, being completely domesticated and tamed, and like you know having what we all these like things in front of us, or struggling for our lives all of the time? You know, it really brought that into question for me. And I'm yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. But is one necessarily better than the other? And like, what kind of life do we want to live? Right? You know. As I said, it was our ancestors' goal that our lives should be easier. Every single one of our ancestors, from our parents all the way back, wanted your life to be easier, wanted my life to be easier. Mm -hmm. Don't you want your son's lives to be easier than yours? Yeah, I want, of course. Yeah, we do. We we always want that, and so we have pursued the path of making it easier, and why not? It's such a beautiful expression of love to say, let me make it easier for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me create the tool, provide the way, you know, satisfy this need. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks I like thought we about, get one. I thought today when I was out in the woods also about people saying that they're off the grid. Mm-hmm. And I thought how sad that is. Because that's another aspect of the snake, is that the snake is the thread that weaves together. And we, what I call that weaving together, that planetary weaving together is the grid. The mm-hmm. grid of good intention. And so when you're off the grid, you're not part of it. Not part of the grid of good intention. I think of it more being off of like the the uh, Wi-Fi. <laughs> That's when I just consider myself off. Well, I understand. We don't have Wi-Fi but it's electrical energy. Yeah. The grid of good intention is electrical energy, and just like there's an electromagnetic shield that protects the Earth, we too can create an electromagnetic grid. That, that we can be part of. That. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like your I'm own electric, like around you, like as a shield, are you saying? Well, not, it doesn't have to be a shield. We don't have to shield like ourselves from life. Mm-hmm. We can participate without shielding. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Getting close to the time for Kelly Grimes to be here. It looks like she is here, if you want to introduce her. I'll go ahead and introduce her. Kelly Grimes, MSW, is a counselor, speaker, best-selling author, and self-nurturing expert. She is the founder of Cultivating Peace and Joy. She inspires individuals to nurture peace in the world from the inside out. Kelly is passionate about empowering overwhelmed and exhausted individuals to live with more peace, joy, and meaning through the practice of self-nurturing. In addition, she provides professional and leadership development to organizations dedicated to making the world a better place. She leads workshops and provides keynote speeches for organizations like Alliance for Regional Solutions, Carlsbad Village Yoga, the Epilepsy Foundation, Exodus Recovery, Girls Rising, Hands of Peace, Res Care, Vista Community Clinic, and talks on a variety of topics, including self-nurturing, stress management, mindfulness, anti-racism, trauma-informed care, cultivating resilience, motivational interviewing, avoiding burnout, and staying grounded, even in uncertain times. Kelly Grimes teaches self-nurturing to women who are overcoming domestic violence, homelessness, and other major life challenges. She does this through Leap to Success, where she serves as the Director of Community Engagement Instructor and Leadership Coach. Kelly Grimes is also a field instructor for local universities and loves mentoring as Master of Social Work interns. Her book, The Art of Self-Nurturing, a Field Guide for Living with More Peace, Joy, and Meaning, was just released a couple of months ago. Congratulations, Kelly, and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, Susan. It is really a joy. I have been reading your books and following you for years. Oh, what a delight to have you here and to have your wonderful, wonderful message of uh, peace, joy, and meaning. And it all starts with self-nurturing. Yes, I have found over many years how much we as women tend to give of ourselves uh, beyond renewal. (laughs) So we give and give and give and get to a point where we're exhausted and overwhelmed and have only like the last drops of our cup. And I found that in my own life journey as well, uh, parents of a child with chronic health challenges and found that I got very close to burnout and overwhelm. And when I learned to nurture myself, I had so much more to give. And I had so much more access to my own creativity, my own authentic expression, and my own wisdom. There was just so much more um, access that I had really to the deep sense of interconnectedness that we have in the world that you were just talking about, that web of interconnectedness. Um, So I believe that when we nurture ourselves, we have an opportunity then to plug into that um, and then really be of greatest service in the world. 
How does someone turn that around? I, I mean, I don't think there's anybody who would say, nah, it's really not important to take care of yourself. I think everybody thinks, yes, yes, I have to take care of myself. And yet we find ourselves on the edge of burnout, on the edge of total overwhelm. We find ourselves in situations that we never intended to be in. How do we turn that around? What do we do? Well, you know, particularly right now, right, we're in the middle of this pandemic that's this collective stress that we're all under. Um, And then each individual has their own stress and uh, overwhelm in this time. And so I think really the way we look at it is the key. Um, Part of uh, when I started writing this book, what I realized is that if people can't shift their thinking from seeing nurturing themselves as selfish to being able to see it as really the essential mechanism of them really showing up as fully as they can in their lives. Um, so it starts with shifting your mindset and, and recognizing what is the cost um, of not caring for yourself. Oftentimes we've really held up a um, uh, kind of our ideal of the self, self-sacrificing woman and when we look closely at that woman, she's usually really, really exhausted, overwhelmed. She may be impatient. Um, she's probably less connected with what she needs and what she feels because so much of her focus is on what everybody else needs um, and attending to everybody else and not herself. So uh, I think it's both recognizing what the cost is to people. So when they say, you know, I'm feeling like I'm not even connected, like I'm on a hamster wheel, like I'm not even connected to my life. I have no meaning. I'm feeling, you know, burnt out and depressed and um, have a lot of resentment, you know, don't feel that joy in the giving because I'm so drained out. That piece is really helpful and shifting to really seeing that it's essential. And it's interesting because I have this beautiful opportunity to teach a whole variety of folks, both folks that have major trauma or overcoming domestic violence and homelessness and things, and uh, others that are dealing with other challenges of balancing, you know, work and family and, and other things. And yet the, there's a common theme that people don't feel like they can give themselves permission to really pause and take care of them. And once they break through that and they really kind of let go of that old belief that doesn't serve anymore and develop a new paradigm and a new way of looking at the world, once they do that, then all of a sudden they can access so much more. Um, you know, any, I, I believe anything can be nurturing. Um, it's not, you know, I don't look at self-nurturing as another to-do on your to-do list you know, something that's overwhelming. It's really about developing a relationship with yourself. And as people see that part, so it's not like they're either going to fail, you know, it's not about perfection. It's about this beautiful process of self-discovery. And when they recognize the difference that, you know, starting by being self-compassionate, you know, starting by raising self-awareness, um, being able to make some intentional choices for themselves and feel the results of that, that's really where there ends up being momentum and a shift because the more we nurture ourselves, the more that we recognize our own value and worth. And the more we recognize our own value and worth, 
the more we prioritize nurturing ourselves. And that cycle ends up being this beautiful self-sustaining cycle. Um, so I, I think people need support. I think they need um, encouragement. I think they need um, permission giving sometimes for, you know, someone to say like, you know, wow, you, you are doing such an amazing job. You know, what would be helpful for you in this moment? What's one nurturing thing you can do? Um, you know, not, not an overwhelming amount because they're already overwhelmed. So it has to be something really tangible, like being out in nature, you know, or, or giving a hug to someone you love or spending 10, you know, moments just with intentional breathing in and out, but doing it with the intention of being loving to yourself. Simple practices. Yeah, simple practices that can be integrated. Are so effective because I see a lot of people with very good intentions who never quite make it because they set up that they have to do something elaborate. Well, that kind of feeds into the expectations in some ways that we hold for ourselves already. There's these really high expectations um, that many of us hold for ourselves. So it might be the same way with, you know, nurturing ourselves or our self-care, like, oh, we have to do these whole things. And then when we're not successful, we see that as more evidence that we've failed and that we are not good enough. And therefore, why do anything around nurturing ourselves? So I really do think um, shifting that perspective and seeing that if it's about a relationship with ourselves, then there's a multitude of ways that we can nurture ourselves. It could be for some people taking a walk, but, but doing that intentionally as a way of, of connecting with themselves. It could be, you know, um, um, choosing some herbal remedy that's really nurturing and supportive, you know, making a cup of tea at night that's just for you. Sometimes it can be the smallest thing. Um, I had a woman in one of my first workshops it's like over 10 years ago. So I learned this for myself. I started putting it into practice, and then I love to teach what works for me with other people. So I'm doing these workshops, and this woman said, you know, I can't even go to the bathroom without my kids coming into the bathroom. And it's so frustrating. And so, you know, we talked about different things. Well, she comes back the next week for the next workshop, and she says, oh, my gosh, I set a boundary with my kids and said that I get to go to the bathroom with the door closed by myself. And she said that was transformative because what that did was it was one act that prioritized herself and her own needs, and then that rippled out into other ways in her life. So that's a very practical, (laughs) right? That's a very practical way of nurturing yourself. But it really, you know, for her was the key that shifted things. Um, And so I think for people it's just kind of having the idea um, that you can, you know, especially if you're overwhelmed and exhausted. Think of, you know, how hard it is to think about doing anything else when you're just trying to survive. So it's really finding, you know, just a moment here and a moment there, but then noticing the difference it makes. Yes, letting that moment be a pivotal moment for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So beautifully, beautifully put. You use a very beautiful garden metaphor in your book when you are talking about self-nurturing. Tell us more about that. 
Well, I love to garden, and and I think of I think of gardens as a beautiful metaphor metaphor not only for growth but for thriving, and also the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. And so, um, I think for me, usually metaphors are helpful ways to kind of put into practice what I'm learning. So as I guide people through. I really talk about you can cultivate a self-nurturing practice by using the metaphor of gardening. So first off, we look at what is the sunshine? What is the thing that you need every single day um, to really deeply nurture and care for yourself? And those things can be, you know, anything from taking a walk, if that's, or exercising, doing yoga. It could be, you know, spending time with um, your child. It could be reading. It could be gardening. You know, it could be anything that's just that thing that lights you up, right? It's kind of a 10 out of 10 if you had to, to put it on a scale of something that really brings you joy. Um, and so that's the sunshine. Then we look at the water. Well, we don't typically water every day. I guess it depends where you live. But, you know, like a couple of times a week, what would be an activity that would be deeply nurturing, but it takes more time. So you're not going to do it every day. Maybe that would be a yoga class for some people. Maybe that would be, you know, a walk with a friend um, that would take a longer period of time. Maybe it would be a class of some sort, um, listening to a podcast, coming on, you know, listening to your radio show. Maybe that's what, you know, feels, you know, once a week. And, and um, so that's the water um, piece. Um, the, the next piece is really looking at, like, what's the fertilizer? What's something that totally charges you up? But it, maybe it costs money. Maybe it takes more time. Something like a massage, perhaps. Maybe um, going to some conference, um, doing some training that takes a longer period of time. But something that would, like, supercharge your growth, that really would help you um, um, connect with whatever it is that you are developing within yourself. Um, and then, as all good gardeners, it's like what needs to be weeded out? You know, so much of the time if uh, we're outward focused and we're attending to everybody else's needs and we don't have time to care for ourselves, it may be that we need to cut back some, some volunteer, some responsibility. Maybe it's just clutter in our house. Right? Like maybe it's physical things we just need to let go of so there isn't so many things to, to have to attend to. Maybe it's a relationship that's not very supportive. Um, you know, oftentimes when we're making a change, um, it can be challenging for other people if they see our growth and they're not quite along. Um, and so maybe, you know, we don't talk about our self-nurturing with, you know, a sister who might not be supportive. doesn't mean we have to cut the person out altogether, but maybe we just make choices about how we use our energy. Um, and I found this so much, Susan, I don't know if you have during this pandemic, but my energy and my awareness of my energy has is, um, been in real focus because I'm used to being out and being with people and doing all of these things face-to-face, -face, which really, for me, really charges me up. And now so much of the time I'm on the computer, which I never was before, except for when I was writing or, you know, um, you know, attending to some other things. And so that I find personally really draining. So when I'm looking at how I'm going to use my, my energy and I know I have like, you know, a whole day's worth of Zoom, 
I'm not going to set up to do something that evening because I know I just won't have the energy I want to have for it. So sometimes it's just being aware of where are places that we put our energy and is that serving us? I think a huge thing of weeding is, is the beliefs that don't serve us. You know, it could be um, thinking it's selfish. You know, maybe a huge weeding would be to let go of that thing of selfishness and stop seeing, you know, it, like choose not to see the world from this place of scarcity, but yet more see it from a place of abundance. And so it's not an either or, but it's a both and. So in that both and perspective, you know, maybe I need to let go of selfish and see like, oh, I can nurture myself and I can nurture my family. It doesn't have to be an either or um, decision. Uh, so that, and I just see all of these things as like the seeds that we plant and we plant a lot of seeds along the way. And sometimes they don't blossom for a while. They might not even sprout up, but over time, um, I see that we have this beautiful potential to have just an amazing thriving life um, that that we then can give generously in the world because we're so filled up. Mm. Yes, I think that um, one of the pretty easy ways to nurture yourself is to praise yourself when you accomplish something. And I see a lot of women who are pretty good at setting goals, but once they achieve that goal, they just turn their back on it and focus on what they haven't achieved yet. Yeah, I I totally agree that that's one of the steps in my self-nurturing practice is to acknowledge yourself and your growth. Um, Because the, the fact is not only is it very nurturing to do that, um, it's also motivating and it's part of resilience. Like what we know about cultivating resilience in our life is to be able to acknowledge ourselves. Because when you acknowledge yourself, then when you come up against another challenge, you have confidence and belief in those qualities that you've been cultivating that you can draw upon them and, and continue, you know, you know, overcome whatever that challenge is in front of you. So um, it, I, I love to encourage people to actually create done lists at the end of the day, your accomplished list, instead of being so focused on our to-do list, that we actually pause at the end of the day and acknowledge. And we don't have, you don't have to acknowledge yourself because you got it done. It could be, you know what, I stayed, you know, I stayed on track with that thing that I wanted to do. And it's still in process, but I really appreciate, like, the energy I brought to it or, you know, the compassion I had for myself. What I learned from that situation, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, we can acknowledge ourselves for lots of things. But I've noticed that when um, people have a practice of doing that, it builds so much of their confidence and um, Really, it, it highlights what they value. I always think about that with gratitude. I love gratitude practice as a self-nurturing practice. When you focus on something and say you're grateful for it, you're identifying what you value, what's important to you, and what is the, what's the blessing in that for you. And um, so absolutely, acknowledging ourselves is such a powerful tool um, for, for nurturing ourselves. And acknowledging each other, I frequently tell the story that one of the things that I miss the most 
when my mom died was that I felt like I no longer had somebody I could call up and say, I succeeded like this. I won <laughs> this. I, you know, and to just not be humble and to brag. Mm. And yeah, I, it's really, it's and really I just, great. I felt lost so acutely mm. that, oh my goodness, you know, that I knew that, that she would never be jealous of me or, or to, you know, say that she was happy for me and not mean it. And so, of course, the only thing I could do was, was to offer that service to others. Well, that, that so is Tell everyone I knew, when you're successful, yeah. call me up and tell me. I'll be oh, generally that's glad. That's a beautiful way to have your mother's legacy. That's beautiful. And I think, I think that we can create communities where we do that. I see more and more women who really are supporting and celebrating each other, certainly in the organization Leap to Success. Um, you know, we have an empowerment circle every week, and women can come and talk about, you know, what they're celebrating in their lives. And there's a whole group of people, you know, joining them in that celebration. And they can also come if they're having a hard time and get support. But I, I love what you say about your mom and what a, like a treasure place that you could just go and be proud of yourself. Um, and, and being proud of ourselves isn't, I mean, it doesn't have to come with arrogance. It can just come with a deep acknowledgement of how hard we worked on something or that we took a risk or that we stretched outside our comfort zone, you know? I mean, I've had this dream of this book, Susan, for 10 years. And um, when I um, signed with the publisher to do this book, I had no idea we'd be in the middle of a pandemic, of course. And so, you know, to think of the timing, talk about divine timing, you know, and if any time we needed to learn the art of self-nurturing, it is now. Um, and, and, you know, so, so, so it felt a little funny, I have to say, like, I'm, you know, felt so good and celebrating, you know, this book's birth, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, you know. But, again, how, how we can hold the both and. You know, know that our hearts can be broken with the deep suffering, so many in the world, and we can cultivate joy at the same time so that we can hold it all and make space to celebrate with the friend that has a success and also to be the shoulder for the friend, you know, that has sadness and grief. Beautifully said. Beautifully, beautifully said. You have a field guide in your book. In fact, that's the subtitle, The Art of Self-Nurturing, A Field Guide to Living with More Peace, Joy, and Meaning. What does this mean? Usually a field guide helps us to identify things. Right. So when I was thinking about what, what could, how, how could I have this be really user-friendly for people? I know that the people um, that I serve are overwhelmed and exhausted. So I wanted a way that could be like, you can read the book through, but then you can come back and there's 22 chapters. And they're broken into, um, they're alphabetized. And it's in the part three of the book, and it's integrating self-nurturing practices into your life. And so there's 22 different things that you can turn to, from adventure to aging to asking for help to, um, building circles of support like we were just talking about. And in each 
chapter, there are um, specific ways that you can integrate. There, there are different self-nurturing ideas, basically. So the field guide is if you're looking for ideas, you know, to, to nurture your body, I have different practices that you can do. And then reflective questions. I'm very much um, about that this is a personal journey. So I have reflective questions in each of the chapters so that people can dig deeper, right, if it resonates with them. If they want to think about, gosh, you know, boundaries. Okay, yeah, I really want to think about that, you know. And so I have questions like, how often do you honor your boundaries? What's one healthy boundary you can commit to that will support you in building more trust with yourself? What will it take for you to honor your boundaries consistently? So it gives people a way to have this, um, take them on a journey. You know, I, I consider self-nurturing is like the adventure of a lifetime, right? It's developing this beautiful relationship with yourself, which is a process. And so the chapters are just ways, really short ways um, that you can look. Like I have one for family. Sometimes we think of self-nurturing as, a, as like a solo act, but I really see it as it can be, you know, with families and communities. I, I go and do all these workshops at uh, organizations and they start to develop ways that they can value nurturing as a community. You know, so maybe they have gratitudes or they have, you know, talking about what is their self-nurturing practices as part of meetings and other things. So there's so many ways that we can integrate self-nurturing. So we're all getting filled up when we're together. And I, so I have a whole list of things that you can do, um, you know, with a family, including, you know, scheduling nurturing activities together, right? Just deciding like, oh, what do we all love to do? Oh, we all love to walk on the beach. Okay, great. Let's all go do that together um, so that there's intentionality and all that. But I thought that this would make it easy for people to then at different times, like I have a thing about moving through grief. Well, you know, when somebody reads a book originally, that might not be something that they need, but then shortly after it may be. So I just wanted to have people have something really user-friendly. I'm a social worker, so I love practical things. I love for you to, like, be able to pick up a book and, you know, have – be able to put it into practice right away. And so that was the intention in having a field guide. And um, I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out, but I just – I love the way the book turned out um, with the um, beautiful illustrations and, um, you know, at each of the pages, it's really easy to just flip to whatever you want in the field guide because it, it uh, gives you the category at the top of the book. All right. I am so glad that it came out the way you envisioned it. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Well, it has been really quite Amazing and delightful talking to you. And I'm wondering, is there a topic that I haven't brought up that you are passionate about and want to talk about? Um, gosh, I'm like passionate about so many things. So um, I think I just would like to say, you know, what I've loved about what you've done um, in your career and certainly with the books that I've read is they've been so empowering and I think that ultimately, you know, using herbs and, you know, earth medicine and being connected in a, in a deep and spiritual way uh, in your own life is, 
is incredibly self-nurturing. And so everything that you've been teaching all these years is deeply self-nurturing and it's empowering. And I think that's the key. I think that's probably what I'm most passionate about is once, once we recognize that we have all this incredible power from within, that we can make choices about how we want to express that in the world. Um, we can be protective of ourselves when we need to. We can, you know, express the authentic truth of who we are in the world. And I truly believe that that's how we heal this world, how we heal ourselves, how we heal, you know, our families and our communities, and that each one of us makes an incredible difference. And if we only understood how important we are, you know, how beautiful each one of us is and that we have the power of expressing that and learning from each other and, and coming together to make the world a better place, um, I, I feel like that empowerment would transform the world. So that's my vision, one self-nurturing person at a time. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> because each one teach one. Every yeah. uh, And I say to people, probably the best thing you can do for other people is to be obvious about how you're nurturing yourself. Yeah. It's at Absolutely. least as important as directly nurturing people to let them see you nurturing yourself. Yeah, I, I believe we're all mentors for each other, you know? So when, when even when we see somebody setting a boundary, it gives us permission. We see somebody nurturing themselves, it gives us permission. Um, and then we create those communities of support where we can celebrate each other's um, successes. Fascinating and wonderful work. How can people learn more? How can they get in touch with you? Where can they buy your book? Um, they can um, go to cultivatingpeaceandjoy.com, and um, I have a free self-nurturing um, kit that they can download, too, to just start off if they want to have a flavor of what's in the book. And then they um, can buy the book on, on my website as well, um, as well as Amazon and any other purveyor of uh, books out there. And... Um, it's just been such a joy, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show today, Susan. I'm really, really appreciative. You are welcome. And the last question is always, what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you tonight? Love, unconditional love, and that there is so much we can access when we nurture ourselves and come from that deep and profound place of self-love. There's so much that we can do um, together and really come from uh, an empowered, loving, kind, generous place in the world. And it all, and it all starts with self-nurturing. And it all starts with self-nurturing. Thank you. Kelly Grimes, author of The Art of Self-Nurturing, A Field Guide for Living with More Peace, Joy, and Meaning. Thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, Rebecca and Justine, for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. 
Good night, everybody, and green blessings. Good night, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.